Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. I'm so thankful to be able to be here and to be able to bring God's word this morning. So excited that you're here, and uh, and we're excited to take the next two weeks to go through a series that I've titled Just Simple. I'm a simple person, and I have a simple mind, and so it's good for me to stick to the simple things. But there are some great simple truths that are found in God's word, one specifically being the simple gospel that we are to live out each day of our lives. I remember growing up as a kid, and I remember hearing this, this story of, uh, of Jesus as he went to the cross and as they stood before Pontius Pilate. And I remember hearing the story of uh, Pontius Pilate placing Jesus and a man named Barabbas beside each other, and he presented them to the people. And remember he says, which do you want me to release? Because if you recall, it was customary of the Roman governor to release somebody at the Feast of Passover because he wanted to maintain goodwill with the Jews. And so he places these two people before the Jews. And he says, which of these two would you have me release on this holiday? You have this very clear-cut answer here. Is it the career criminal who's notorious for being a murderer and an insurrectionist? And for being a protester who goes and who protests the government? Is it him that you want me to release? Or is it this man who's a miracle worker, who's lived in peace, who's went around preaching the gospel, who's went around and proclaimed the goodness of God? Which of these two would you have me release? You guys recall that story. And remember, he stands up before it, and the Jews stand in that moment of decision, and they say, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. We will take him as opposed to this Jesus that has caused so much torment for us. And I remember growing up and hearing that story and being so overwhelmed by the anger that the Jews had against Jesus. And I remember thinking all those years, how in the world could you take this two, uh, these two options that were on the table? How could you take these two options and knowing how clear cut it is and choose the wrong answer? How is it that you can look at this and say, there's a clear-cut answer, and I'm willingly choosing the wrong one? But we see it happen here where this high-profile killer is released to go back into society, and Jesus was sent to be tormented. Who is this Barabbas that we speak of? Well, all four Gospels mention him. Matthew calls him a notorious prisoner. Mark says that he was in prison as being an insurrectionist. Luke says he was in prison for insurrection and murder. John adds that he was, had taken part in a rebellion. And then Peter, if you recall, in his uh, sermon at, um, at Solomon's portico near the temple courts, he called him a murderer. You remember those four or five examples there of what they called Barabbas. But the fact was he was a cold-blooded killer. You think all the the notorious murderers that we've had in the United States. I was up in Chicago about four or five weeks ago, and uh, we took this, this tour of the city. And, and one of the things that they brought out that I wasn't aware of was that the first serial killer in the United States became famous in Chicago. His name was H.H. Holmes. In fact, there's going to be a movie coming out in the next year where Leonardo DiCaprio is going to uh, play H.H. Holmes. And so there used to be this thing that come through called the World Fair. 
And he would go there, and he had built this hotel. This is so crazy. He had built this hotel specifically designed for murder. That sounds nuts, right? But he made it where the doors locked from the outside. And when people would go into the rooms, he would lock the doors from the outside. Gas would flood into the, the rooms. It would kill the people. And he had chutes designed to where he would dump the bodies down. They would go down to the, the basement of the hotel where hydrochloric acid was. And it would erode the body of the person. And then he would take the skeletal system and sell it to colleges and universities as completely intact, the human representative of the skeletal system. They think he may have killed up to 220 plus people. They're not even sure. I didn't know about him. But he apparently was a famous murderer. I just gave you all a lot of information that's not really pertaining to my message, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> right? But we have heard of people like Charles Manson, right? We have heard of people like Jeffrey Dahmer. We know these people. We know that they're cold-blooded killers. And we think in our minds that if a decision was given to us to make between this person who is evidently and obviously a cold-blooded killer, and someone who appears to be righteous and doing uh, things that are peaceful and miraculous, we believe in our hearts that we would make the decision to choose to free the man like Jesus was, right? But is that necessarily true? It had to happen like this on this specific day because God ordained it that way. He specifically designed this to happen this way. So there's this choice between a murderer and an innocent man, between darkness and light, between evil and good. And it seems to be obvious. But God's will said, you take Barabbas. And so all the Jews, they uh, railed against Jesus. They yelled, no, free Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. Free Barabbas. And so Pontius Pilate went to him three times and he said, let it be known that I find no guilt in this man. There's nothing that he's done that deserves for us to put him to death. But they continue to yell, give us Barabbas. I think that's so crazy. And I remember growing up hearing that story and it infuriated me. And I thought, how in the world could you possibly choose Barabbas? But they had to because God said so. Because God had ordained it this way. See, here's the beauty of the gospel. Here's the beauty of the Christian gospel. It shines forth out of this story. It's Jesus the innocent takes the place of Barabbas the guilty. Can I tell you this morning that Barabbas absolutely 100% stood in our place that day. We are Barabbas. We are him. We are as guilty as he was. We are as condemned as he was. And we deserved everything that he was going to get. Do you know that Barabbas was on his way to death? For the things that he had done, for being a murderer, for causing, for upstirring these, uh, these protests and getting the crowds all riled up against the government, he was going to be crucified. So he stood there as a representative of who you and I are. We are the same person as he was, and we stand needing a representative for us to take our place, somebody that is going to be a substitutionary sacrifice in our place. And because the crowd stood and they yelled, Give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus, the governor said, 
Let it be so. I am so incredibly thankful today that as standing in the same place as Barabbas, I had somebody that was willing to substitute their life for me. Can I tell you something today? We overlook this so many times as believers. Never, ever, ever undersell the value of what I'm telling you right now. Never undersell the value that we are destined to death as just being born. We are born in a sin nature. We are born destined for hell. You understand that, right? We are born with this flesh on us that means that we are born in sin and we are destined for hell. And because of the substitutionary work of Jesus, we have been granted freedom. We have been granted these luxuries of life. And I'm not a, a, a prosperity gospel preacher, but I can tell you we are getting more than we deserve because we deserve hell and nothing else. But because of Jesus, he took our place. And so when the crowds yelled, give us Barabbas, crucify him, I am so incredibly thankful that God in his great wisdom provides salvation for us just like he provided salvation for Barabbas that day. Story of Barabbas and his release from condemnation is just just this great parallel for us in our lives. See, we're free because once for all, Jesus paid the price for our sins. Man, I I think about so many times how we grew up hearing that story, and um, you know, in in, in BBS. And then in children's church, and then, you know, as we grow up and we're in youth, we hear the story of Jesus' sacrifice for us. We hear the story of him laying down his life voluntarily on our behalf. And somehow we tend to undersell that and undervalue that because it's become so common for us to hear it. But do you understand that a real man named Jesus who came to earth and lived just like we do in human flesh, Just like we do. He felt the things that we feel. He suffered the things that we suffer. He came in in, in the form of us so that he could come and die a horrible death in our place. We We don't let that resonate with us. I'm convinced this morning that we do not let that resonate with us. Because if you're in here today and you're not a believer and you hear that story and it really resonated with you, you would be down on your face before a holy God begging him, God, save my soul because I am unworthy to stand in your presence. And if you're a believer in here this morning and you hear that story and it really resonated with you, it would drive us to praise like we've never praised before the King of all kings. Let's read the account together. It's Mark chapter 15. I'd love it if you read with me. We'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said, You've said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how the charges, uh, they've been brought against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man named Barabbas. 
And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him released for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? And they said, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. There are three ways here that Barabbas uh, represents mankind. One, he was guilty as charged, as are we, right? He is guilty. He was born guilty, and we're born guilty before God because we are born in sin. So he was born guilty. He was condemned because of his sin. We too are condemned because of the sin that we're born into. Because we are born into sin, we are condemned to hell. It is our just result of our lives. But then finally, he was free because Jesus died in his place. Now I want to start there this morning. I had this really long introduction, okay? And the message is not that long. But this long introduction to lead you to this point that we are free because Jesus died in our place. So let's look at that. Freedom from eternal death is found in the substitutionary death of Jesus. Romans chapter 8. I love Romans. If you can't read Romans and get excited, then you need to check your pulse, okay? Because listen, Romans is exciting, especially Romans chapter 8. So I'm, a, uh, I'm an excited preacher. So when I read Romans 8, I get excited, whether it's by myself or in a crowd of 200 people. So if I get excited as we read this, you bear with me, okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, just to start out, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's good news this morning. There's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. And look what it says. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Listen to this. God condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So listen, I want to take just a minute to sidebar here, okay? This really fits into next week's message a little better than it does into this week's message, but I feel it necessary to take a little sidebar and to mention this. When we are freed because of the death of Jesus, I need to make it real clear this morning that we are free from sin, not free to sin. There's this common misconception today in the church that because of what Jesus did on the cross, that it allows us to live however we want to, to do whatever we want to do in freedom, and that we are forgiven because of Jesus. Can I tell you that is a lie straight out of the pits of hell this morning? Has anybody, I'm not judging you if you raise your hand right now, okay? I may, but I really won't. Is, is, is anybody, anybody watching The Bachelorette right now? There's two people It's like, I, you can raise your hand. My wife watches it. I'm going to be honest with you. She watches it. And uh, there's a girl from Alabama on there right now. And uh, she was a former Miss Alabama. She is beautiful. 
And she came on there claiming to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And they did an interview with her last week or a couple of weeks ago that I saw. And in essence, what she said was, I am free in Jesus to do as I please. Whatever I choose to do, whether it be have sex with somebody out of marriage, whether it be to, to drink and to, to be drunk in, 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 in front of people, whatever it is I choose to do, I am forgiven in Jesus, so I'm free to do what I want to do. That is a misconception, and it's a lie. You are not free to sin. Because if you look in Romans chapter 8 there, it says that God condemned sin in His Son. Do you realize the ugliness that sin caused? Do you realize the torment that it caused? Have you ever, have any of you ever watched Passion of the Christ? Anybody? All right. I, look, I, I could not hardly watch it. It was so brutal. It, it was just so unrelenting in the torment that Jesus experienced what is represented there on screen. And we don't even know if that's the extent of it. But I guarantee you it was, the, it was the minimum of it. But what Jesus experienced, when I watched it on screen, I remember cringing, thinking, God, that's so ruthless. But it was sin that drove him there. It was sin that every time they whipped him with a cat of nine tails, it just laid open his back and opened it up where blood gushed down. When they took a crown of thorns and they placed it on his head and they rammed it in his head so that it caused him to bleed from the head. It was sin that did that to him. When they laid him down on a cross, he stretched out his arms and they drove spikes in his hands and in his feet so that he suffered over and over again with every breath. It was sin that did that. God despises sin. He has no room for it in what we are called to be as believers. In fact, Paul, uh, I'm sorry, John, in, in the book of John, Jesus uh, directly addresses this. Before his crucifixion, he said, Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And he says this word that we need to really latch on to this morning in verse 36 of John chapter 8. He says, if the son sets you free, you're free indeed. Don't you create a buyout and say that I'm free to sin because Jesus has set you free from that. You're not free to sin. You're free from it. We, we are to live our lives as believers with that mindset that we're free from sin. Galatians chapter 2, Paul addresses this. I, I, I love this, and, and, and we need to really embrace this this morning as believers. Paul says this, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Can I tell you what people are doing when they say, I am free to do whatever I want to? They are abusing grace. We are called to be followers of Christ. We're called to live a life that is free of sin. I understand that's not possible. But I also understand that we don't get up every morning and begin to get ready with this mindset of, eh, 
today, I'm probably going to do as much as I want to do and all I want to do. And there's, there's, no, there's no judgment in that. Hey, I can go out and live how I want to live because I'm free because of Christ's death. Because he has set us free, I'm free to live however I want to live. No, don't believe that. We're called to live a life worthy of the calling. We're called to be holy as he is holy. And so I'm asking you today, don't don't wrap yourself around that lie. Don't buy into that mess that you are free to sin. You are not free to sin. You are free from it. Okay, I jumped off my soapbox. That was next week's message in a nutshell, okay? I'm going to get back into this week's message now. You ready? So we have been granted freedom because of Jesus. But listen, it didn't just stop there with the freedom that we've been granted because of Jesus. Listen, it went on to we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven of the sins that we have committed. So all the sins that put Jesus on the cross, all that were, all that were represented in Barabbas, All of that sin, when Jesus went to the cross, he nullified it. He canceled it. In fact, when Jesus took his last breath and he uttered these words, it is finished, he means, I won. I beat sin. I beat death. And he gave you victory over it. We are forgiven, even for those who seem hopeless like Barabbas. Even those who seem hopeless like me. Y'all, I was a mess. Some of y'all know my testimony. And some of you don't. And you, if you've been at LifePoint for a while, you've heard me share my testimony before. But listen, I was a mess in my life. I was a, to quote some of the younger generation, I was a hot mess. If y'all don't know what that is, ask some of these younger people. But I was a mess. And I grew up the son of a Southern Baptist pastor. And my childhood was, I was raised right. My mom and dad put Jesus into me from day one. They preached it at our, at our house. They, we had nightly Bible studies. When the doors of the church were open, we went. Uh, I remember getting so angry at my dad because um, the only time back in the day when you would play ball on a Wednesday night was if you made All-Stars. Anybody remember that? And so I was fortunate enough to make All-Stars growing up, and, and I can remember that um, my dad would go to the coach before the All-Star season started, and he would say, John can be here on Wednesday nights until 7 o'clock. And we're going to pull him off the field whatever time we need to to get to church at 7 o'clock. And oh, I can remember it making me so mad. Like, nobody else has to leave? Why do I have to leave? But I'm so thankful that my dad put that into me, how important church was and how important it was to be there. But I grew up right. I was raised right. My mom and dad raised me right. But I didn't experience salvation until I was 24 years old. And I lived a life of hell itself for a lot of years of my life. And I look at Barabbas and I look at the quality of life that he had and the things that he did and the uh, things that were uh, spoken of in God's word that, that represented who he was. And I put myself there. And I'm so thankful because of Jesus that I was granted freedom. And not only was I granted freedom, I had been forgiven of the things that I did. I had been forgiven of the life that I lived. I've been forgiven for the things that once haunted me in life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
Paul writes this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, I'm thankful. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. How exciting is that this morning? And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That in him we may become the righteousness of God. Don't miss that. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus did not experience sin on this earth until the cross. Had no idea what it was like. Did not experience it until the cross. But because of God's sovereign plan, he made him who knew no sin To be sin, listen to this, so that the righteousness of God could be revealed in us. I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. But I need you to understand that there was something special that happened on the cross. And for believers, there was a great exchange that took place there. We are forgiven and we are reconciled. Reconciled just means this, to restore a relationship. So a relationship that was broken because of sin to God has now been restored because of the death of Jesus. We should be so thankful for that this morning and so excited about the fact that we are not only free, but we are forgiven of our sins. Amen? Finally this morning, not only are we free from our sin, not only are we forgiven, But listen to this and watch this. All that was against us has been forgotten. Come on, y'all. Listen to me. Don't miss that. We are free because of the death of Jesus. We are forgiven because of that death. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, all of our sins past present and future have been forgiven and forgotten. I had a guy come to me one time and he said, John, I'm struggling with something. I wonder if you could help me. And so we sat down and talked and he was struggling with with some of the the stuff that he was watching on TV. And he said, man, I I pray and I ask God to help me not to, to watch these things and and I find myself doing it. And then I go to him again and say, God, would you forgive me for that? And then I find myself doing it. And God, would you forgive me? Help me not to do that. And he said, I feel like sometimes God gets tired of me asking for forgiveness. And I looked him dead in the eyes and I said, he doesn't because he don't remember the last time that you did. Somebody, come on. He don't remember the last time. It says that he has buried our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Can we read that together? Psalms 103, 
In Hebrews chapter 10, Psalms 103 says this, that he's put a great span between our sin. Look, he does not deal with us according to our sins. Amen, right? He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions uh, from us. Come on. Listen, he has put them as far as the east is from the west. Can you even imagine what that is? Can you imagine what span that is? He has separated them from us. And then he goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 10, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declared the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. He forgot about them. He says, all the stuff that made you Barabbas, all the stuff that put Jesus on the cross, He says, I've forgiven you because of Jesus. But I have forgiven you and I have forgotten the things that you did that put him there. Listen, this is the beauty of the gospel. Is that in a moment in our lives where we were undeserving, Jesus took our place. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus stood in our place. And we should be thankful and changed and never forgetting the sacrifice that he did that very thing. So I'm going to ask you today, is your life representative of that? Do you live your life every day representative of the appreciation of what Jesus did on our behalf? And in the fact that in our darkness and in the ugliness of our life and in our sin and in our condemnation and in the filth of who we were and in the chains of what bound us in those moments Jesus took our place he said I will take those things and I'll take them on me and I'll bear them and nail them to the cross Barabbas walked away that day a free man can you imagine that can you imagine Jeffrey Dahmer walking away a free man imagine Charles Manson walking away a free man We would be so irate. But listen, God's ordained story said he walks away a free man. And if he placed his trust in Jesus, not only did he walk away a free man, he walked away forgiven and his sins were forgotten. We are Barabbas. It was the greatest act of love the world has ever known. And we should be thankful for that. And our lives should represent how thankful we are in every aspect of it, y'all. In every aspect of our lives, should we live our lives as an ever-living gratitude for what Jesus did on our behalf? Maybe you're holding on to something this morning. Maybe something in your past this morning is just burdening you to the point where you can't let it go and surrender it all to Jesus. Can I read Colossians chapter 2 to you? I want you to follow real closely what God's Word says. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Amen. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Verse 
the second half of verse 14 says this. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, putting them to open shame by triumphing over them. There was a great exchange that took place at Calvary. Jesus got our sin. We got his righteousness. Jesus got our sin nature. We got his divine nature. Jesus got our sickness. We got his healing. He got our, pro- our poverty. We got his prosperity. He was forsaken by God, and we were reconciled to God. He got the Father's rejection, and we got acceptance with the Father. All that took place on the cross was for me and for you, and it was ideally ordained by God the Father. Every single act. Max Licato has this this really great quote about some of the things that transpired on the cross. One of them being that the Roman soldiers spat in the face of Jesus. And you don't read anywhere in God's word where it says that he wiped the spit away. But he says this. Allow the spit of the soldiers to symbolize the filth in our hearts. And then observe what Jesus does with our filth. He carries it to the cross. Listen to me this morning. Please listen to me. Whatever it is that you're holding on to this morning, maybe you're a believer in here today. Maybe you've surrendered your life to Jesus and there's some sin that you're still holding on to. There's some things that you're still clinging to because they make you feel good and because in the moment they feel like the right thing to do. Maybe it's you're in here today and you're not a believer. You haven't committed your life to following Jesus because of something in your past. John, you don't understand. There's something so horrific that I've done in my past. Listen, Jesus took it. He nailed it to the cross. He sacrificed it once for all so you don't have to bear it anymore. In Isaiah 53, it says that he was bruised for us. He was wounded for us. He was beaten, betrayed, mocked, scourged, crowned with thorns, crucified, all for us. Our sins drove Jesus to the cross, but he did not go there unwillingly. If our sins drove him there, it was love that kept him there. For me and for you, this is the simple gospel this morning, that Jesus took your place in my place, no matter how bad you are, no matter how bad you were, no matter the things in life that you've experienced, no matter the things in life that you're doing right now, listen, he took every bit of that and nailed it to the cross of Calvary so that you don't have to bear it anymore. In fact, there's a part of scripture where Jesus says, cast your cares on me. Give them to me. I'll take them. I'll bear them. Give them to me. Quit carrying around your trash. Quit carrying around your mess. Give it to him. So today I'm going to ask you as we close, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to give it all to Jesus. Listen, if you're here today and you're lost, can I ask you to give it to him? Can I ask you just to bow yourself before him this morning and say, God, I need you to rescue me. God, I understand that you did on the cross what I could not do. You took the badness of me. You took all that I was. And you sacrificed it in your son who was perfect. And listen, the word says, God's word says, 
you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you will be saved. This morning, I'm asking you to give it to Jesus. If you're a believer in here today and you're still holding on to something in your past, can I ask you and beg of you this morning to give it to Jesus? Turn it over to him. Give him what he's asked for. All your mess, all your trash, all your ugliness, all your chains, all your sickness, all your condemnation. Give it all to him this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, it is in humility this morning that we bow before you, understanding that, God, in and of ourselves, we are hopeless. God, that we have no hope. We have no hope of of, of salvation. We have no hope of pleasing you. We have no hope to come before you outside of Jesus. But, Father, this morning, I'm so eternally grateful That because of Jesus standing in my place, that I could take everything that I've held on to in this life, every bit of trash that I've held on to, every bit of change, every bit of burden, everything that I've held on to, I can give them to you. And you have said you will take them. And God, not only will you take them, but you'll take them and nail them to the cross, sacrificing them forever and ever. And God, I pray this morning that as we have looked at the simple gospel this morning, just Jesus in my place, God, that you would help it to resonate in our hearts and our lives and our minds this morning, the fact that you gave yourself willingly. God, you stretched out your arms willingly. You placed them against a wooden cross willingly. And if Roman soldiers wouldn't have drove the nails in, you would have drove them in because it was necessary in your ordained will to do so. So would you help us, God, this morning not to forget that, not to nullify that, not to weaken that, not to undersell that this morning, the fact that you did something miraculous in our place. God, that you took all that we are, you sacrificed it and made us holy, God. We gave you our sin, you gave us your righteousness. Father, I'm so thankful for that this morning. I pray that I never forget the simple gospel. You stood in my place. thankful this morning. I praise you this morning. And God, I pray that everyone in this place and all that are watching online and everyone in the the, the world this morning that's hearing the gospel message understands the importance of what you've done on our behalf. So we praise you. We lift up your name. God, and as we stand and sing this morning, I pray that, that we would scream to you how great you are. That we would loudly proclaim it because you're worthy of that. God, we thank you for the name of Jesus this morning. It's in that name that we pray.